How you doing, you freedom-loving freaks? I'm Dave Rubin. It's January 21st, 2022. This is the Rubin Report direct message. Yes, from Florida. I'm still, I'm, I'm still overjoyed. I'm still just bubbling with effervescence and happiness and Floridian wonderfulness. That's gonna be my new tagline, a man full of Floridian wonderfulness. It's all good, we got a uh, Q&A for you today. We got dozens and dozens of questions at rubenreport.locals.com. And once again, I just wanna thank you guys for bearing with us this week as we built out the temporary studio. The schedule has been a little crazy. Things have been a little upside down, working on some technical stuff. Uh, A few of you mentioned that yesterday we had some audio issues. We've worked them out. I think you're gonna be very happy with the audio crispness today. Uh, And it's a special day because Clyde is in studio. I'll see if maybe we can get him on my lap a little bit later, but the gardeners are here. They've got a lot of cleaning to do at this new place. It's very overgrown here in Florida. A lot of growth, a lot of water, a lot of rain, humidity, trees, et cetera. And uh, they're outside and I didn't want him barking like crazy. Although I have to say that we've soundproofed this thing pretty freaking well. Anyway, uh, before we get to the Q&A, I've got a great story about Nancy Pelosi. She said something completely, completely insane. I'll get to that in just a moment. But I want to talk to you fine people about Bonner private wine. Did you know what's in the bottle of wine that's sitting on the kitchen counter of your house? Do you know what's in there? I bet you don't know what's in there. Uh, Traditional media won't tell you this. Try oak flavoring, mega purple dye, and tons of sugar. And that's not counting all the chemicals left over from vineyards that look more like oil refineries than great chateaus of old. But better wines do exist, and they don't cost an arm and a leg to get either. Take it from America's top wine explorer. Recently, he came across a wine unlike anything he's ever tasted. Problem is, this delicious red wine can only be found in a single isolated corridor known as the world's most remote wine valley. Heck, he nearly died twice trying to find these vineyards. That's commitment. The wine is that special. Want to give him a try? Jump over to Bonner Private Wines, and my audience can get these rare wines at half the retail price. No need for a promo code. Plus, you'll get 50% off shipping. This wine is truly something special, but supplies are limited. Visit bonnerprivatewines.com slash Dave to claim your wine. That's bonnerprivatewines.com slash Dave. And now back to me. Okay, so before we get to the Q&A, Nancy Pelosi, do you know this woman? She lives up there somewhere in the Northern Cali, San Francisco area. She is a crazy woman who has been in politics for roughly 800 years. Her eyebrows are very high. Sometimes it seems her dentures are falling out. She's very confused. She used to be somewhat, maybe 20 years ago, sort of sane but the crazy radicals in her party have just whacked her over the head, and now she's just bananas. She loves ice cream, she loves locking people down, she's looking to buy a house in Florida. I don't like this woman very much. She said something yesterday that I think literally, and I mean this literally, not figuratively, I think literally might be the most insane thing ever said by an American politician in modern times. It is so authentically bananas that you have to hear it yourself. Uh, Madam Speaker, I understand that last Thursday you asked the Committee on House Administration to take a closer look at stock 
may include zipper penalties for these violations as well. I wanted to give you the chance to talk about just why you did that, why I think that's important, and what you say to the members of your caucus, which range from frontline members to some of the most progressive members who want to go further and enact some sort of... Well, I don't know that. I mean, that's your version. Here's the thing. I say to my members uh, on a regular basis when we gather in caucus, and as you know, sometimes it's hybrid these days, but anytime we have gathered in caucus, one way or actually virtually or hybrid, I've said to them, under this roof, figuratively or actually, is the greatest collection of intellect, integrity, and imagination for doing the right thing for the American people. I have great confidence in the integrity of my members. They uh, are remarkable. Did you catch what she said there? Did you catch that? I wanna, I wanna quote her in case you didn't fully catch it. She said that House Democrats represent, quote, the greatest collection of intellect, integrity, and imagination anywhere. Before I comment on that directly, it made me think of something. Take a look. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. God have mercy on your soul. Ah, the great Billy Madison, Adam Sandler at his peak. That thing that she said was completely insane. The greatest collection of intellect, intellect. Yes, Ilhan Omar, AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, Ted Lieu, intellect. Integrity, yes. AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Adam Schiff, Ted Lieu, Nancy Pelosi. Integrity and imagination. You got the point. These are the worst sort of authoritarian, controlling, unimaginative. That's the key here. Let's put aside intellect for a second. I don't think these people are particularly bright. Like, do you, have these people created great businesses? Have they created great industries? Have they innovated products? Like, no, they've become bureaucratic middlemen who just control your life. So intellect, I don't know, like they became people who got power. So I suppose if you think that has something to do with intellect, we could go with that. Uh, integrity, I mean, these people are all chronic liars and deceivers and, and in many ways evil people, which I don't like using that term, but at some point you just gotta call it what it is. People that lock down their own people in you know, anti-science measures and believe in all these m mandates and all of this stuff while they vacation, like you guys know the drill on all of this stuff. So it's like integrity, these people are liars. Ted Lieu, I, he's called me racist a couple times on Twitter. Like they, 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 have, they have no integrity, they have nothing close to integrity. And imagination is just like the fun one here. It's like what imagination do these people have? Their answers are all government. Their answers are give me more money, give me more power. You know what's imagination? You know what uses imagination? The human mind, when you figure out how to do new stuff, when you figure out how to live the way you wanna live, when you figure out how to work with other people in fun ways to create new exciting things and products, 
Like, that's cool. Like, that's cool. That's using the imagination. You think these people have any imagination, lady? That is just completely insane. Can we play that Billy Madison clip one more time? It's, it's one of my favorites. Nancy Pelosi says that the House Democrats have intellect, integrity, and imagination. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. God have mercy on your soul. I mean, that's just good stuff. Look, Sandler ain't what he used to be, okay? I'm not gonna sit here and pretend he is. The Netflix movie, since he signed that $87 million or whatever it was deal with Netflix, the movies have all sucked, basically. But like, you give me some Billy Madison and some of the early day stuff, like, there's, there's some good stuff there. The Wedding Singer, there, there's some good stuff. Uh, all right, guys, before we get to the Q&A real quick, I wanna talk to you about three-day blinds. Is all of the news on rising inflation and crime rates making you wanna shut out the world? Well, you're not alone and I have a solution for you. It's called three-day blinds. They are the leading manufacturer and retailer of custom window treatments in the United States. And right now they are running a buy one, get one 50% off deal. With three-day blinds, they bring the showroom to you. Their local professionally trained design consultants provide expert advice in the comfort of your home. Just set up an appointment and you'll get a free quote the same day. Their expert team handles all the heavy lifting. They design, measure, and install so you can sit back and relax. No matter your unique need from motorization and home automation to room darkening and child safety, Three Day Blinds has a window treatment for you. Choose from thousands of options that fit any budget or style and with actual samples. That means no guessing on what your blinds will look like. By the way, we use Three Day Blinds. They weren't even a sponsor. We use Three Day Blinds for our blinds in the Los Angeles Ruben Report Studio, and I think we can make some good use of them here. Uh, a clever feature I love is that you can set the time of your shades to open or close at the preset times of the day. That's what we used to do back at the old studio. Three-day blinds have been in business for over 40 years and have thousands of five-star reviews, so they are a brand you can trust. Right now, you can get three-day blinds. Uh, right now, at three-day blinds, you can buy one, get one for 50% off on custom blinds, shades, and drapery. For a free, no charge, no obligation consultation, just head on over to 3dayblinds.com slash Ruben and use my code Ruben. That's right, buy one, get one for 50% off when you head over to 3dayblinds.com slash Ruben and use my promo code Ruben. One last time, that's the number three, day, D-A-Y, blinds.com slash Ruben. And now, back to me. All right, guys, let's dive into the Q&A. First up is Curtis. Was it difficult to find a house to set up a studio in where the HOA, the Homeowners Association, allowed for a home business? So actually, it did not come up. Uh, where I live is not uh, in a HOA, so there is no like home association, so I didn't have to get approved by a board or anything like that. Like It was actually all good. Buying a house in Florida, especially in South Florida, Miami area, was actually extremely difficult because the market is so hot. And I mentioned the other day, it's like there are all sorts of competing offers and you're competing against people with cash and I didn't have that kind of cash, and you're competing with you know, just all of the people that are fleeing all of these other states, and, and also people are sort of desperate, and I would include myself in that. Like, I felt very desperate when we came here a couple times to visit, 
uh, you may remember over a few months of the of the fall, like I was disappearing for like little three day trips and I was kind of winking at you guys like I got something coming. Uh, and I would come the first time David and I came, then I came once al alone once, then I brought my team a couple of times because I wanted to make sure everybody wanted to move. But all of the houses, when you go to open houses or you go with agents, it's like there's a desperation on the part of the people that are buying. And so the sellers know that. So it's a great place. If you're in Florida right now and you've been sitting on a property you're not living in, it's like, this is a great place. This is a great time to sell. Uh, so fortunately, we don't have an HOA here, so I was able to do whatever I wanted with the studio. We can basically build whatever we want in the house. Uh, Florida also has way, way better regulations in general. And when I say better, I mean less. Right, so California's got a ton of regulations. We had crazy things. I mean, there were really nutty things. When I had my old studio in the garage, uh, so the previous studio before the last one, the last one was in my office, but you guys remember the old one where we did most of the in-person stuff, that was in my garage. We only had one car. We had a two-car driveway and a two-car garage. We only had one car, plenty of street parking. There was a regulation in Los Angeles that if you turned your garage into anything other than an area for cars, even if you had one car and a two car driveway, even if you had no cars, that you had to build an outdoor carport. Now, first off, they have no right to tell you what you should do with your own property in my estimation. But not only that, the weather in Southern California, in Los Angeles, it's basically 78 to 82 and sunny every day. What are they protecting under that carport? It's just completely bananas, but this is what they do. They get bureaucrats involved and then you're not gonna believe it, but most likely the guy who builds the carport probably is the cousin of the guy who pushed for the ordinance in the first place. It's just like an endless cycle of complete nonsense. So here there's way less red tape on all of that stuff. There's not nothing, but there's way less red tape. We were able to build actually very quickly. As I mentioned, the only real issue is that the supply chain stuff is slow, which has very little, if not nothing, to do with Florida. That has way more to do with the federal government right now. And Florida is actually doing a, a pretty good job. DeSantis is opening up ports, helping ships get in here. But even here, because not everything is manufactured here and you gotta get things across the country and everything else, even here, it's been hard to get things. So I mentioned, you know, Ikea didn't have a lot of stuff. Even Target had a lot of bare shelves like we're slogging through the best we can, but we were able to put this together and pull it together. And we're gonna work on the, the permanent studio as quickly as possible. So if you're just tuning in, no, I'm not back in Los Angeles in the old studio. And no, that's not even a real background behind me. It's a big ass TV, uh, but we will be building the proper studio out soon enough. Burns says, what is Clyde thinking about the totally empty house? Oh, we're making a move on me. <laughs> Uh, what is Clyde thinking about the totally empty house? Dogs have fine ears. The acoustics in the empty mansion must feel strange to him. So first off, Clyde is in studio right now. We got a couple clip pictures of Clyde that I snapped right before. He is about a foot away from me right here. He's in studio because the gardeners are coming. I didn't want him barking and freaking everybody out. I want to introduce him to the gardeners, show them that they are not enemies coming to assault or otherwise attack us. But I couldn't do that since I'm in here. So Clyde is joining us in the show. Uh, in studio today. I'll see if I can get him out on camera in a bit. Clyde, you wanna, you wanna get on camera? Oh, he's, he's licking the special area. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do about that later. Um, but yeah, we pretty much have nothing in the house. So show the picture of just Clyde, just empty. Yeah, we don't have anything here because our stuff from LA hasn't arrived yet. It's gonna take about two weeks. You guys know all the nonsense with the trucks. They're coming 
from California, but then they have nothing to bring back from Florida. There aren't enough truck drivers. So everything is massively delayed. So we got one couch. I think we have one other picture there. No, we don't have another picture. We, uh, we bought one couch from the guy who lived here before just because I was like, I need a place to sit for two weeks. So we got a couch and I got a Wayfair carpet and I bought a couple uh, plates at Ikea and I made a chicken and broccoli last night, very impromptu. And uh, we're doing the best we can. But yeah, it's cavernous and it's loud and there, you know, there aren't enough carpets and rugs and all that kind of stuff. So when he barks, it's a little echoey and painful, but it's all good. It's all good. And we do have one full wall. I, uh, I posted a picture on this, uh, of this in the locals community. We have one full wall that is alligator skin, which is pretty cool. So it's true. We are in Florida in case you weren't paying attention. Uh, Danielle says, hey, Dave, I heard you talk about your roots doing stand-up comedy. Any chance you could post some of your old skits on locals? I would love to see that side of you. Uh, we have a whole bunch of old stuff that I'm trying to figure out what we want to do. Like if I want to do like a real hour long special and then we would intersperse some of that stuff or how we would want to release it. Uh, you know, when I was on tour with Jordan, if we had an off night, I would sell out basically whatever club we were in, whatever city we were in. We had a great, we sold out literally every single show that we did. I would do about an hour of stand up and it's mostly messing with the crowd and talking about the news and just having fun. It's this, but with, you know, 500 people in the room. Um, and I love doing that. I don't love the idea of like writing an hour's worth of jokes and what's the deal with lampshades? Like, all right, I, you know, I lived that life. It was a different life, is what it is. Um, but I do want to get back out on the road and I especially want to spend some time just like meeting more people and going to more cities here in Florida, particularly. Uh, you know, my next book's coming out in April and I will be touring. I have a call with my guys actually later today to discuss how we're going to do that because I'm not going to cities and venues where they're gonna have mask mandates or they're gonna have vaccine passports or any of that nonsense. So that's gonna you know, tighten the tour, but maybe I can do more shows in cities that will allow it. It's gonna cost us a bunch of money. I just don't care. I think you have to stand up and do what's right sometimes, if not all the time, and that's the way we're gonna do it. And when I do those live shows, it's not stand up per se, but it's like a version of this, a little bit about the book. Maybe I'll bring on some special guests, all that good stuff. Cheryl says, with Starbucks' surprising move to lift vaccine mandates for its employees, do you anticipate any others following suit? I'm thinking of major corporations like banks and airlines. So if you haven't heard about this, it just broke in the last day or so. Uh, since the OSHA mandate got turned around, Starbucks is basically saying they're not gonna force their employees to wear masks. Now, it's a little unclear to me exactly how Starbucks works. They're not franchised. They're all owned by the corporation, Starbucks, if I understand this correctly. So they get their messaging from the corporation. So in other words, if it was a franchise, like let's say Subway is a franchise, so you're basically licensing you as the as the franchisee, you are licensing Subway, their branding, their logo, all the stuff, and then you run the store as you want, and then you gotta deal with whatever's going on with the laws in your city, everything else. Starbucks, as a national chain, it sounds like they are not gonna force their employees to wear masks. Now, the problem is that they've gone so in on the wokeness at Starbucks, they've gone so in on masks and vaccines and mandates, that I suspect that a huge percentage of their employees are brainwashed enough to think that they have to wear these things forever and will keep them on. I would guess, it would be my guess that if they were to, I don't know how many, can we find out how many total employees Starbucks has in the United States? I mean, they obviously have thousands and thousands of employees. I'm gonna guess that in terms of the people working at the stores, it's gonna end up being something like 80% 
of the employees will continue to wear masks. Maybe not in certain places like here in Florida, some places in Texas, et cetera. But I think people have been so conditioned to it, and that's the problem. Two weeks to flatten the curve, we're now two years later. What have we done to people? What have we made people think? What have we done to make people afraid of other human beings and afraid to interact with each other and everything else? So I think a lot of people are gonna continue to do it. Now look, if it's their choice, it's their choice. Right, so I'm not saying you should force them not to wear it. If it's their choice, so be it. But it's just, it's not good for the, for the human condition overall. In 2020, Starbucks had 350,000 employees in the United States. I mean, that's pretty crazy. And if you don't believe me that they've gone in all on the woke stuff and the nonsense and everything else, you may remember a story, I think we covered it about a year ago, where they said that they were gonna allow uh, you know, homeless people to come and use the bathrooms in their stores and everything else. So what happened was they had all these homeless people, especially in New York City, taking over stores, and then they just removed all the chairs and the tables because they didn't want people basically building bunkers there. So it's like, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, people. Uh, but to your broader point, I hope this spreads. I hope that the idea that Starbucks is gonna leave it to the people, hopefully, or or I suppose maybe to the local managers, but that's not good too, because if you got a crazy paranoid manager, then all your employees who want to take the, take the masks off won't be able to. I don't know how that fully works logistically within the company, but to the broader point, yeah, banks got to start doing it. Hotels, that is one thing for sure, hotels and restaurants. When we were in Boca last week, we stayed at, I think it was a Marriott for a week, and the amount of all of the employees behind the desk, the bellhops, janitors, et cetera, all wearing masks, all wearing masks. And I even said to a, a girl uh, who was cleaning up in the gym, I said, hey, we were the only two people in there. I said, hey, you don't have to wear the mask for me. And she kind of took it down a little bit beneath her nose. But like, at some point that, that doesn't hold. First off, these people are not our slaves. We don't own these people. These are hard jobs in service industry and they should be treated equally, if not better than the rest of us. And it also will create class warfare. It shouldn't just be the people who serve people at restaurants and waiters and who cook and who you know, bring luggage upstairs, that they'll have to wear masks forever. But you people with a couple bucks in your pocket, you won't have to. What a recipe for class warfare disaster, which perhaps is exactly what the Democrats want at this point. Uh, Kathy says, is there any way to get COVIDiots back? Are they, lost, are they a lost cause? I met someone yesterday who thought if you get COVID, you die. <sighs> this is the gajillion dollar question, right? Like this is, this is absolutely a tough one. Like what do you do? This is so consistent, not only with COVID, but all of the people who have been brainwashed by all of the stuff. The people who thought that Donald Trump was defending white supremacists. The people who thought that the Covington kids were racist. Brett Kavanaugh was a serial rapist, Kyle Rittenhouse was an ax murderer, all of the things that they have lied to us about. A certain percentage of people are brainwashed. Mass formation psychosis, while they tell us that we are the crazy paranoid ones. And what do you do for the people who still think that masks, don't, uh, that masks work, even while now the CDC is backtracking on some of that stuff? The people who now, two years later, are like, okay, maybe masks don't work, so I'll put on an N95 mask and I'll walk around like Darth Vader. Like, what do you do about that? I don't know how we wake these people up. It's, it's very difficult. I, I should probably do a show, let's book somebody about deprogramming people from cults. I think that actually would be a great idea. Um, it, because it's a pretty close parallel where you've accepted a worldview that is not true and even at the steps where you see that it's not true, you always find a reason 
that it is true, right? So it's like when they told you, okay, if you get vaccinated, you will not get or transmit COVID. Joe Biden, Anthony Fauci, Walensky at the CDC, et cetera, they all said this. Now they're literally saying after the fourth booster shot, it may not stop Omicron and probably will not. And by the way, you don't have to listen to them for that stuff. It's like, what has happened to you in your own life in the last month? I am not vaccinated, I got COVID. My brother is vaccinated, he got COVID. We're both okay. He's a little younger than me. Everybody's all right. Uh, that's not to say everyone is okay all the time. But we have to like think about these things honestly. So when it hits you in your own life and you go, wait a minute, they told me if I got vaccinated that I'd be okay and I wouldn't transmit it and I wouldn't get it and all of that stuff. And now it's, oh, you just won't get that sick. But then you see people who aren't vaxxed and they don't get that sick. It's like a little logic, a little reason. Just do the best you can to, to keep reaching out to these people. I'm trying and it ain't easy. It ain't easy and I will not sit here and pretend that it is. Uh, Jacob asks, do you think that a Republican can win the governorship in Massachusetts this year with Charlie Baker not running again and a mass exodus of Republicans away from blue states. So I'll be totally honest with you. I actually don't know a tremendous amount about internal Massachusetts politics and maybe we can get somebody on to talk about that. I actually would love to do a show. Maybe I'll get a political, uh, a political expert. I don't know what the right word is, but somebody who really tracks the migration stuff and really tracks sort of internal state politics. You know, obviously I'm pretty well versed in what's going on in Florida now. I'm pretty well versed in that uh, West Coast place I used to live in. Um, but I don't know a tremendous amount about Massachusetts. However, I do know that a, an awful lot of people, I've met a whole bunch of them, I mean, people leave in Boston, people leave in some of those cities in Massachusetts, and they're coming to the free states. Um, so, you know, one of the problems uh, at some level, I suppose, is as the migration patterns that we talked about on the show yesterday, as they continue to strengthen, right, and as we continue to see, you know, conservative-minded, but it's not even really that, it's just like, people who just wanna live their life, as we continue to see them move towards red states, right? Well, then what happens is you don't have any counterbalance in the blue states. So if the blue states have been like, you know, sort of leaning, right? And they're, they're kind of going off the ledge, right? They're kind of going, kind of going. And then there's nothing holding them back anymore because the good people who are fighting against the tyranny, against the authoritarianism, if they're not there, well, then the blue states are just gonna get worse. And then I guess you'll have more of a fleeing. So in some ways, the entropy around all of this is that the states are just gonna go in their separate directions. And as you know, that's what federalism was all about. And I think it actually could be okay. Uh, Elizabeth says, what's the timing for David's cookbook release? My husband is obsessed with the skillet chicken parm recipe and keeps asking me if David has any other good ones he should try. Well, first off, he should go to davidscookbook.com where David's got a ton of recipes. His, uh, uh, what is it, not boneless chicken wings, the, the unfried chicken wings have been blowing up, absolutely blowing up. You're talking about the, uh, the skillet, the pan, it's basically a cast iron chicken parm, which a lot of people say, oh, you don't put red sauce in a, in, a, in a cast iron. You can do it, people, and it works, and it's delicious. Candace Owens, YouTube internet personality, Candace Owens said it was the best chicken parm she's ever had. Uh, so you can go to davidscookbook.com to find out more of his recipes. You can also go to instagram.com slash davidscookbook. He's working on the cookbook, obviously, the last two months with a move and everything else have delayed some things, and now we just have a lot to do here. I would hope by the end of the year, perhaps, 
but now I just said it out loud, so I've either put undue pressure or I've ruined the entire thing. We shall find out. But I'm looking forward to eating some home-cooked meals again. You know, when you, when you move, it ends up one way or another, and because we don't have anything here, it's a lot of takeout, a lot of Chinese, a lot of Thai, a lot of oils, a lot of pasta, a lot of pizza. We're having a healthy lunch today, right, guys? No more. I can't, I can't, do, the, uh, can't do the pizza anymore. I'm starting to lose it. Uh, John says, uh, polls suggest that Hispanics and to some extent black Americans are dissatisfied with Biden. What can, should the Republican Party be doing to make it clear to these Americans with similar values who are wholeheartedly, or that they are wholeheartedly welcome in the tent? Well, you know, there's some interesting things that'll happen by default. Uh, I'm gonna roughly get these numbers right. But in DC right now, where they have the indoor vax mandate, there's something like 50% of black adults in DC are not uh, vaccinated or do not have the vaccination card. And the black community has their own reasons as to why they might be leery of government injected stuff, okay? So that means right now, roughly half of the black people in DC technically cannot go into restaurants. And they can technically not go into restaurants because of the Democratic mayor. I think her name is Muriel Bowser, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that is because of a Democrat. A Democrat is saying, black people, you can't come into these restaurants. A Democrat in New York City, Bill de Blasio, who just walked out, absolutely destroyed New York City. Obviously, a lot of Latino and black people, New York City and the boroughs, same thing in DC, some, same thing in these big cities. Eric Adams, who happens to be black, who is the new mayor of New York, there was like a three-day window where people thought he was sane, and it's very clear he's gonna go in with the woke nonsense and the anti-police stuff and the rest of it. So. If you live in these cities, I mean, it's just the proof is in the pudding, right? Like, you just have to look around. Is crime up or down? Oh, it's up, and who's in charge? Oh, it's the Democrats. Are things better or worse at schools? Oh, they're worse, and who's in charge? It's the Democrats. Who run the teachers union? It's the Democrats. Like, I hate to sound so partisan with all of this stuff, and I don't think 10 years ago the, the partisan lunacy was like this. Yes, of course, there was liberals versus conservatives, Democrats versus Republicans, blah, blah, blah. But like now it's just freaking obvious. I cannot imagine someone walking around going, it sure is great here in New York. It sure is great here in Los Angeles and San Francisco and Portland. These are all Democrat run places. Do you think those things maybe have something to do with each other? You think there's a little touch point there? So I think the best thing that Republicans can do is actually not play the identity politics game. And I think they're getting pretty good at it right now. And I think in many ways, you gotta give Trump credit for this. Trump did not care about the cultural issues in that regard. So what I mean by that is, you remember the moment, there was a great moment. Uh, I think it was during the campaign trail, maybe it was when Trump was president, the trans thing, can we find out? When they said to Trump, well, what do you think about trans bathrooms? I think maybe it was before he was president because that was big during the Obama, the Obama time. And Trump said, hey, I build hotels, I build buildings. If you're telling me I only have to build one bathroom and everybody can go to it, that's just great. Like that is the right answer. That is the right answer. Live as you wanna live, you know? And Trump lived as a builder. I don't really care where you pee. Is it, a, is it that big of a deal? But they wanna make it the most important thing so they can bludgeon us with all of this stuff. stuff. They wanted to make it seem like Trump was a racist. And it was like black unemployment was at an all time low under Trump. And you'll never forget, remember that moment at the State of the Union when the Congressional Black Caucus, when Trump's talking about low all time black unemployment and they sat there like this. And you'd think 
that the Congressional Black Caucus might be for low black unemployment. So I think there's gonna be massive shifts. You know, there's a big thing in Texas right now also where Latino immigrants, legal immigrants, they don't want illegal immigrants coming. They don't want, or they want them to come legally. They don't want just people flooding into their borders. So there's a new thing now where the, the cities, some of the border cities that have Republican mayors, they're more right-wing than their counterparts. Uh, so all the things are flipping. And I would hope that as America continues over the next, let's say two decades, that the people that will scream about race and, and identity they're all gonna be the lefties and the rest of us will just move on. And basically we did it. I mean, that's the thing. We really did do it in America. And if you think about the, the woke project in the last two, let's say five years, as this thing really exploded and then the last two years because of COVID, it's like, who's really screaming about race in America? Who is racist in America today? Like, do you honestly think Donald Trump is racist? Donald Trump wants laws, racist laws against black people or Hispanics. Do you think Ron DeSantis is racist? Can you give me a Republican that you're like, boy, that person really does want laws that are gonna stop those people from doing what they want because of the color of his skin? Or is all of the racist stuff coming out of the woke left who want quotas? who want to make sure that some people can go to schools and some people can't, who want to punish people when it comes to the workplace and decide who gets promotions based on gender and skin color and all of that nonsense. I think you know the answer. You're smart. And that's why you watch The Rubin Report. All right, next. Uh, Jancy says, I was wondering, since Anthony Fauci is the science, has anyone asked him how many genders there are? That's a good question and a fine follow-up to my previous point. Right, exactly, exactly. There are two genders, male and female. You can be born female and identify as a male. You are still biologically female. I don't think Anthony Fauci would be willing to say that. I really don't. It would be a great question for somebody to ask him. Richard says, as a conservative slash libertarian, what do you think about the Republic, uh, what do you think Republican governors should do with regards to legalizing weed? Is being in favor of weed legalization possibly an advantage for conservatives? This is a great question, it's, it's very complex. Uh, my feelings about generally about legalizing weed, I am for legalizing marijuana. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that I haven't smoked marijuana. Okay, I have, I got the glaucoma. I can't, you know, it helps, it takes the pressure off the retina. Um, people can smoke weed if you wanna smoke weed. I don't think kids should be smoking weed. Um, you know, the counter to that, that has become an uncomfortable truth to me, is that in the places where weed has become legal, um, it does seem that there's now a correlation with the general sort of collapse of society. Like where when LA legalized it, it's like LA started getting work. New York City like smells like weed. It used to smell like homeless people. Now that you got homeless people plus weed. The weed kind of masks the homeless people sometimes. In the summer, it's the reverse. Um, that being said, I don't think because of some sort of unintended consequences, you should restrict people's freedom. So if you believe that people should be allowed to drink alcohol, which alcohol we know is not good for you, it's just not, like everything in moderation is okay, fine. Um, but way more people die of cirrhosis of the liver, way more people die of drunk driving and all sorts of stuff. No one has ever smoked weed and robbed a bank or committed a violent assault or anything like that. People usually smoke weed to relax or get silly or stupid or take a walk in the park or whatever you do. The point is if you believe in choice, if the libertarian part of you believes in choice, then I get, then that I, to me has to override the conservative sort of principle of we have to have these very strict guidelines on a society to tell people what to do. To me, that's more of like a personal familial thing so that you'd want 
society to have things that are legal within limits, right? I'm not for legalizing heroin. I've debated this with Michael Malice. Like I wouldn't want a meth lab next door to me. So society does exist for some reason and you have to have some guardrails. I fully believe that, which is why I usually don't describe myself as a libertarian. It was why I was always saying I'm a classical liberal because we believe in some of those guardrails um, as opposed to libertarians that, that generally don't, that they want to put everything on the individual, but we do live in a society of people. However, I'm not saying, sitting here saying what Don Lemon said yesterday that we covered about the greater good of society, because that is a very dangerous place to go to. All that being said, uh, I think you have to have some of these guardrails and you have to balance sort of what publicly, okay, we're not going to arrest people for doing something with their own body, and then the family part of it, or the culture part of it, or the religious part of it, or wherever you get your ethics and your morals, that should deal with, say, the, whether you're gonna do it or not, right? So there's a difference between the legal side and what you personally would partake in. Uh, okay, gotta move quick here. Colt says, do you plan to have meetups in North Florida one of these days? Yes, absolutely, we'll make it happen. As I said, we're figuring out the book tour and I definitely will get, I haven't spent a ton of time in Northern Florida. I know I've heard the Pensacola area is great. I was up in Tallahassee, Tallahassee uh, with DeSantis a couple weeks ago, uh, but I haven't spent much time there. It's usually, usually in South Florida actually where I have some family, Southwest Florida, now I'm in Southeast Florida. But yeah, well, I wanna bounce all over the place. Uh, Ross, my leftist sister excommunicated me for opposing vax mandates and upon discovering that I'm conservative, my parents share my values but won't address the hypocrisy of my sisters only hating me. How do I bring my family back together? Look, I don't know. I don't know. Everyone has these problems. I have my own issues in the family. Every, everybody does. When politics becomes religion and people think that if you don't make the same choices they make or listen to the same news that they listen to or, or all of that stuff, it is deeply, deeply dangerous. And I don't have a perfect answer for it. I think the best thing you can do is try to be a little bit better, try to be a little bit more open and honest and understanding, but it ain't easy. I know it ain't easy, especially as people are saying, you killed grandma and you know, the poly, you're racist and all of that stuff. It, it is not easy. But I think if you can just be a little bit better over time, it sort of works itself out. Adam, have you and David got the BBQ set up? What's uh, cooking this weekend in the Florida sun? We don't have the BBQ set up uh, and there's no outdoor cooking situation here, which I'm gonna try to build out something at some point. Uh, but the smoker is on the way, it's on the truck. And I can't wait to just get back in and smoke some brisket and maybe we'll smoke some gator. Is that a thing? Smoked gator? That seems like something. Uh, and uh, all right, two more real quick. Mark, what is one thing we're not collectively talking about that we could benefit from discussing? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, that we're not collectively talking about. Well, I don't know if you mean we, meaning the people that watch this show, you guys and the things that I talk about here, or you mean sort of broader society. But I would say actually, the, the biggest thing that we should be focusing on more is going to be this push for us all to live in a digital world. We've talked about it a bit here, but this real push for meta and virtual reality and you know, it's partly why I think they want the real world to collapse and make it so miserable out there so you think you're gonna catch a disease if you go outside and they wanted to sort of destroy your jobs and universal basic income. Cause they would love to have us just strapped to a machine where you know, we've got something on our face and we can decide what we're buying and we can pretend we're all things that we're not. I mean, it's really what the matrix was about. You know, like we become the batteries for the machine. And, and by they, I mean, I don't know who I mean exactly, but it's sort of like the elites who will be on boats 
and they will be outside and they will not be teaching their kids all these bad ideas, but the rest of us will be the batteries for the fantastic real world that they will live in. And uh, we gotta fight that. We really gotta fight that. And finally, uh, Jacob says, what do you think they pump into Joe Biden to keep him animated? I don't know, but uh, as that woman said in When Harry Met Sally, I'll have what she's having. Like whatever they pump him with so that he occasionally has a lucid moment, which is fairly uh, infrequent at this point. It's like they, they are able to get him in order sometimes. But we've all seen this. There are some talks that he gives where he's like a little more functional. He stands up a little straighter. His face looks a little brighter. And then there's somewhere he's really kind of talking like this and he's very tired and he's looking around and he's confused. And, and then the stumbling and the mumbling and all of those things. So again, I am not saying that to belittle anyone with any of those problems and we should all be concerned about mental health and we should all do what we can for our own cognitive abilities and to strengthen our brain and all of that. I do take some sort of memory pill. It's something, you know, it's a little it's a mushroom pill or something. I don't know, David gives me something in the morning, have it with the coffee, you know, here I am. Um, but whatever they're juicing him with, man, it's like, you gotta, you gotta mass produce that. Cause if regular people could have whatever it is they are pumping him full of in the morning, think about productive we could all be. I guess it's Adderall, I don't know. Anyway, uh, all right. This was week one of our shows live from the house here in Florida. We will be building out the big studio. We got a lot of good things coming. Uh, it was a great week. It was good to be back in here with you guys. I thank you for watching. Have a great weekend, everybody. And if you wanna, play along and, and chat with me over the weekend and all that good stuff, join us at rubenreport.locals.com and I'll see you on Monday. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.